Hey guys, do you have a screenplay you need feedback on? Well, you are in luck. I, Julio, the half of the contrarians that speaks with an accent, am doing official screenplay coverage now. And if you're a listener of the show, you'll get a discount. Just email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com and tell us which is your favorite episode of the podcast and why. Turnaround is about two weeks and you'll get detailed notes that are even more thorough than what we do in the show. Although it'll also be less funny. For more information, email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com or visit our website, wearethecontrarians.com, and click on the Julio Reads Your Scripts link. Your voice is beautiful. Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Be sure to check out The Contrarians on iTunes, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. We're also on SoundCloud, and don't forget about our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Be sure to keep up with the pretentious ramblings of Alex and Julio on Twitter, at JamesAlexMattis and at Ovnio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Time for the podcast. Back to the Contrarians, where we're right and we're wrong. My name is Alex. I'm joined always by my co-host and friend Julio. Julio, how are you doing this evening? I am doing great. I am feeling a little more feminine than I did uh, last episode. I think that this is going to be a trend, and that by the time that we reach the sixth episode of this series, I'll be a girl. That's what you want to go with? I think so. <laughs> okay. So today we're here to visit Lost in Translation, uh, directed and written by Sofia Coppola, and uh, for part two, I guess 2.5 of our journey uh, down the path of the feminine, we are joined by our first ever female guest. Exciting day for the contrarians. For women everywhere. Everywhere. Uh, Friend of the podcast and longtime off-air partner in crime, uh, Ashley Mitchell is here to join us for this podcast. Ashley, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Finally. At long last. So, yes, today we are here for Lost in Translation, uh, Academy Award winner for Best Original Screenplay, also stands at 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it's a pretty well-respected, well-regarded movie, Julio, but you didn't come away with the same sentiment. Well, I don't think any of us did. I, I could swear that we had to wake each other up at some point, at least once per, uh, per person we had to, like, wake each other up right for a 110 uh, 110 minute movie we had to take two breaks yes pizza break beer break and naps in between uh still it's 95 percent, which is a lot of red tomatoes it's an insane amount of red tomatoes uh i have a few quotes for you here uh starting with richard corliss from Time Magazine, who says, Lost in Translation revels in contradictions. It's a comedy about melancholy, a romance about without consummation, a travelogue that rarely hits the road. Joe Lozito from Big Picture, Big Sound says, this is another step in Mr. Murray's career and one that hopefully gets him the recognition he deserves. Cam Williams from Princeton Town Topics says, alternately, laugh out loud, silly and profoundly moving, Kudos to Sofia Coppola for managing to capture an undeniable chemistry between Murray and his 18-year-old 
cold star despite a certain asexuality. 18 year old. Okay, you said she was 17. At the time of recording it, what I read was she was 17. So Cam Williams doesn't have his, his, his or hers I went straight to the facts. Source, IMDb. <laughs> I thought you, you didn't call up Sofia Coppola or yeah. uh, Scarlett Johansson. Matt Killiman from Las Vegas City Life says, May-December romances have been done to death, but Coppola's tender touch and knack for nuance practically reinvents the genre. Jim Chistain, not the father of Jessica Chistain, from Norman Transcript says, The ending packs an emotional wallop, a moment as magical as anything you will see at the movies this year. What year was this? 2003. 2003. What else came out that year? Lord of the Rings Return of the King. <laughs> oh, God. What? <laughs> uh, we can save Lord of the Rings discussion for real talk. Fine. Uh... Oz, just Oz from eFilmCritic. Yeah. <laughs> Attention to the man behind the tomato. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Oz uh, from eFilmCritic.com says, Lost in Translation will bring in the new wave of young filmmakers who realize the power of emotion and introspection and the audience thinking for themselves. And finally, Mark Robison from Reno Gazette Journal says, It captures uncapturable feelings on film, namely boredom. Zing. Zing. Hashtag zing. Um, so tell us, Alex, what happens in this movie? And I'll be surprised if you can make this summary last more than 10 words. Uh, now I'm trying to limit myself. <laughs> uh, two people at a crossroads in their lives kind of meet at the same time. And for no explicable reason, the backdrop of Japan... That's, I think that's about it. That, that's, and then they leave. Then they part ways. Uh, to me, it felt a lot like uh, Sofia Coppola went to Japan once, and she thought it was very quirky and fun. And then she said, you know, I just want to make a movie here. And I'll put Bob Wiley in it. Why not? <laughs> Uh, Ashley, had you seen this previous to this viewing? I saw it once, and I felt like I was watching it for the first time, though, because I had no memory of it. I remember thinking that I kind of liked it, but no, it was like watching it for the first time. So we open up on an ass. That's the opening <laughs> shot of the film, and it's supposed to be uh, Scarjo behind, correct? Right. I, I don't think that, I mean, there's no way that we would know that when the movie opens. Like, if you've gone to see the movie for the first time and you don't know anything, all you know is that it's a movie with Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson, you and, don't you don't know for a fact that that's uh, Scarlett Johansson's butt. But they make a point to like show her in the underwear again at some point. Right, later. But when it opens, it's, you don't know what you're looking at other than, well, I'm looking at somebody's butt. Yes. It, it, that throws you off. It does. The, it's not Bill Murray. Right. But then the second time, because I think we all had seen this movie once before. So now the second time around, we know that that's Scarlett Johansson's butt. And it doesn't, like, the rest, like much of this movie, it doesn't get any better the second time around. Like, <laughs> I felt really weird, especially after you told me that she was 17 when, uh, when they were shooting this. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm an old man now. I can't, I can't really? handle that kind of stuff. Yeah. That, okay. I know. I just sound young. Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff, I just can't. It was just weird. It holds on this 17-year-old, this teenage butt. It's just there filling up the screen. Uh, and... I don't know, is it like Sofia Coppola calling me out like on being a prude? Or is she teasing me? 
And she's like, this is as sexual as it's going to get in this movie. <laughs> I think it uh, also speaks to the Japanese culture. That, that stuff's pretty run-of-the-mill. You can buy, like, used panties in a vending machine. Right, but it's not like, it's not like a tentacle comes around and it, it you know, wraps around Scarlett Johansson or anything. It's just a butt for no reason. And then we're in Tokyo. And then we're in Tokyo. <laughs> and uh, our lead character of the film, Bob Harris, played, of course, by Bill Murray, is an aging actor, and which is a way more common tale now, the aged actor that goes to Japan and just advertises random shit. I guess. I didn't know it was uh, Tommy Lee Jones doing it until you brought it up while we were watching the movie. And it made the movie a lot more fun to picture Tommy Lee Jones playing the, the Bill Murray character. Or rather, that Bill Murray was playing Tommy Lee Jones. It definitely improved things a little bit. So yeah, he's at a crossroads, and then uh, Scarlett Johansson, Charlotte, she, um, from what we've been explained in a very quick manner, is a recently graduated student who had recently also married. And right off the bat, Ashley, you said you were taken out of it because her husband, John Giovanni Ravisi, is, you would just call it there. Like, as far as, are we talking about how attractive he is? Yes. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, I mean, you know what you said. Right, yeah, yeah. He's, he's sexy. I like him. He, he is boiler room. Um, <laughs> but the whole purpose of Bob being in Tokyo is to... There was no other purpose besides the whiskey ad. Am I correct? Well, I mean, he says that he wanted to get away from his wife. And, uh, I mean, you can't blame him when you, once you hear his wife on the phone. Do we ever find out who the voice of her, of she is? Oh, uh, like the actress? Yeah. No, but, I mean, it's... Sophia Coppola is probably Kirsten Dunst. Oh, okay. It's just with, like, modifiers. Centauri uh, Whiskey is there when he's... What, Bob is there to advertise. But this is just basically, um, as Julio already alluded to, he did it to get away from his wife. It's kind of the face of his dissenting madness. Uh, yeah, he's he's there to uh, to shoot ads for this whiskey and to make fun of Japanese people. That's, that's really, uh, I think, his secondary motive there. Uh, he goes there and he's taller than everybody else. And, of course, he doesn't speak Japanese, so he forces him to speak in broken English. And, uh, and then he just, him and the movie, just make fun of, uh, of the Japanese just for being Japanese. It's very uncomfortable when you're watching it. <laughs> and I don't know if I was just less uh, PC when I watched it the first time. Because I remember the first time I just walked away with it as in, like, oh, well, this was boring. Mm-hmm. But now this time I watched it and it was like, oh, this is just wrong. It's like kind of like the ultimate portrayal of an American going to a foreign country and just saying, well, fuck all this. I'm, I'm so much better than everybody else. So this is, you know, we're speaking from the female perspective, female directors, female lead characters. Ashley, as a female, if a John, Giovanni Ravisi, looks aside, um, had he taken you to a foreign country with no resources of your own and just kind of left you to your own devices, would you have been looking for an out similar to Charlotte the way she was? Yeah, I think so. Uh, you mentioned that you would never... What was it that you said? I, I would never go to a foreign country with that, without at least a group of friends. I, I don't want to be stranded there without speaking language. But. I mean, usually I think that I would be with a group of friends, but if I were in that situation, um, I would totally go out and explore by myself. Would you claim to a man that aged you by about 40 years? No, I would not. So, but what if that man was Bill Murray? Okay, if it was the Bill Murray, if I knew if, if it was this life and it was Bill Murray, I definitely would. Um, I wouldn't form a relationship with him or, you know, or whatever they had. You would make it but, clear it's just... It's yeah, just I would make it clear that it's just going to be a lot of us talking about what about Bob. 
and um, there even, might be there no, might be some hugs, some hugs in there. Not even Ghostbusters. <laughs> you go to the what about Bob? Yeah. There would be a little bit of talk about Ghostbusters, but what about Bob mainly? He's yeah. probably tired of talking about Ghostbusters. Uh, I, I thought that, that was something that I don't think the movie made clear, and that was did she was he a big enough actor that she was into him partly at least initially because he was a big name or was she really super desperate and just latched on to the first white guy that she saw Jesus. at that part dude what other what, besides her husband who else is there you know what i didn't even think about that the entire time i didn't think that recognize did him? she yeah well, i, but, I had the I feeling mean, that she didn't if, if we are going in the theory of okay he's playing like tommy lee jones going and doing whiskey whatever so tommy lee jones is recognizable if you're an American in Japan and you see Tommy Lee Jones, you'll buy him a drink. Yeah. You know, especially if you see him as bummed as, as Bill Murray looks in this movie. Yeah, just for the story alone. Just for the story. Well, guy or girl, you'll buy him a drink. Whether, whether you are into Tommy Lee Jones sexually or not, you'd still <laughs> buy him a drink. And Tommy Lee Jones isn't into Tommy Lee Jones sexually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Charlotte's growing, growing very discontent. She even calls one of her friends or a family member and says she doesn't know who she married. And it leads to her just kind of wandering around and not really being able to find too much of herself <laughs> in anywhere she goes. It, it's really weird because this first part of the movie paints her as being sort of an outcast in this world, right? Mm-hmm. But then later on, she's super popular and she has like friends. So why wasn't she hanging out with her friends at first? When yeah, she where meets, did they come from? She just one day she just tells Murray, "Hey, I want to hang out with my friends," and then suddenly she has Japanese friends. But did she call them her friends? I thought that they just met each other. They just no, no, randomly. no. She introduces him oh. like when they go to like uh, you know on their wild night that includes karaoke and uh, just running down and the then street getting shot, shot with with some kind of gun, <laughs> laser, I, laser. Uh, so Bob's stuck in Japan. He's gonna do a talk show of some sort that kind of keeps him over there. But oh no, no, no! He's refusing the talk show at first. Oh, okay. And then he ends up staying for the talk show because obviously he wants he wants more Scarlett Johansson. He's smitten. Uh, but his wife and his family are weighing heavily, and you can tell it's not really something that he wants to go back to. In fact, he doesn't show any signs of like love or tenderness towards them until literally the third act of the film. And then we're introduced to Kelly, kind of out of nowhere. Giovanni Ribisi, one of his moments on cameras, had this very intense uh, moment where uh, Kelly is an actress that he's worked with previously, and uh, Anna Ferris portrays her, making her triumphant return to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Bright ray of sunshine in this movie, uh, where everybody's being kind of down on their luck, being bored, and then Anna Ferris comes in and she's having the time of her life in Japan. Apparently, yeah. she's she's in the movie that we want to watch, but unfortunately, she just kind of like crosses over for a couple of scenes and then walks away again. Uh, I like Anna Ferris just to begin with, and then when you see the juxtaposition with you know Scarlett Johansson just kind of being a sad sack there, uh, I don't know. I it doesn't surprise me that Giovanni Ribisi was excited to see her too. Uh, but then, for some reason, the movie vilifies her and has kind of like makes fun of her for being all bubbly and extroverted. I guess I don't know. Did you do you have as as a negative reaction towards Anna Ferris as uh, I no, I have a negative uh, reaction towards how I think it was way too over exaggerated as far as how like she was just this dumb shallow she's a movie star too right right it's just it was just too much i mean if that's what she was going for um sophia then great but <laughs> sophia it's just, yeah miss coppola please miss coppola uh, then great but 
otherwise, yeah, it was it was too much. I don't know. I think it's an easy target. You just you know, in order to make Scarlett Johansson look look cool, then you're gonna put somebody that's her complete opposite on screen, and then just demean her and make her like sound dumb. Really, yeah, because you know she uses the wrong words or she tells weird tales about anorexia. I mean, I don't know. I I felt that the movie did. Uh, Anna Ferris a disservice. Yes, I agree. Yeah, and also, um, I want more Anna Ferris and Giovanni Ribisi. That's what I, I, I want to see more of. I really, you know, there's a couple times when he he's like, okay, we're going to hang out, and Scarlett Johansson is like, oh, I'll stay. Well, I wanted to cut to the hangout because that <laughs> sounded a lot more fun. The portrayal here is weird because it's supposed to intimidate Charlotte's character because Kelly's prettier, has a bunch of makeup, all that type of thing. So, it's this weird pitting female against female moment. Unfortunately, the movie doesn't hinge on, but still, I felt it was a bit unnecessary. Yeah, it's just uh, uh, Sofia Coppola just building up her protagonist by giving her you know easy targets. Because, of course, Giovanni Ribisi is also painted as this kind of oblivious dude. And I think that, you know what, the more I think about it, I, Scarlett Johansson is a problem just because she's a little too attractive to be playing that part. You know what I mean? Like, you cannot believe that Giovanni Ribisi would just leave Scarlett Johansson alone in a room just to go hang out with anybody, even if it's Anna Faris. Uh, Especially in a fucking foreign country. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You got to picture that if Giovanni Ribisi was actually there with uh, Scarlett Johansson, he would just be at her feet the entire time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's hard to picture Scarlett Johansson as being insecure in... In you know, just feeling so awkward in, in Tokyo, just it's uh, I don't know, she is that's not the image that he projects, so it's it's hard to buy the fact that she'd be desperate enough to sort of emotionally hook up with Bill Murray later. Um, but hook up they kind of do, but that's not for a while. The, the first scene of them actually coercing or discussing, they meet at the bar there at the hotel. Um, they're both kind of growing restless with their certain situations, so. <laughs> All of their dialogue is very catty and very, you know, just um, facetious about their given situations. They're, uh, yeah, they're just really snarky about the fact that they're in Japan mm-hmm. and uh, that they're, they should be having an awesome time, but they're not. And then uh, Giovanni Ribisi has to leave. I, he's a photographer or a videographer? Uh, I think he said photographer. Or, or, <laughs> he's yeah, he's on vacation from Wall Street and taking pictures in Japan. Gotcha. So he's leaving for several days and just again leaving his gorgeous newlywed wife Scarlett Johansson behind in the dust uh, for Bob Wiley to swoop in. While she parades around in her sweater and her panties that I mean they they could have picked more attractive panties than that that's for the benefit of us though and I think that I'll disagree I think that if the purpose was to ugly up uh Scarlett Johansson they didn't go far enough (laughs) I should have taken notes from Monster yes (laughs) get some real like prosthetics in there or something so this basically turns into Charlotte wants to keep a company and she asks as we mentioned uh, her friends that just kind of come fucking out of nowhere. Like, we don't even know how they met, if it was a study abroad program. It's, it's one of them called Charlie Brown. I know it's Charlie, but I, I could say that when she introduces him, she's like, Charlie Brown. Char- no, I was going to say Charlie Brown. But- <laughs> <laughs> well, the movie would go there. Yeah. I mean, there's several times when Bill Murray just, it doesn't even matter that he's actually hanging out with these people. He'll mm-hmm. still make fun of them for not speaking English. Well, yeah, he's doing that thing right to their face where he's like, oh, yeah, and he keeps, like, repeating their language back to them. Yes, it's, 
it's very uh yeah it's just uncomfortable to watch because you know i i, I kind of it's like bill murray should know better mm-hmm. he's like old enough i i could understand scarlett johansson sofia coppola they're you know coppola is like a young filmmaker and uh and scarlett johansson you know she's still kind of like breaking out she's really young like okay what 17 18 in this movie but bill murray's been around for a while so he kind of well, has for a while it's gonna make a difference <laughs> if it's but Murray, he should have known. You know, he's the old guy there. He 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 knows. He should know what's proper and what's not. But instead, he seems to be like that old guy at the party that's buying the underage people beer yeah. and making fun of the Japanese for the way they speak. It's like you should be the adult in this production. And actually, I mean, I'm not talking about the character. I'm talking about Bill Murray, the actor. Mm-hmm. He should have said maybe I shouldn't riff on how the Japanese pronounce certain words. Yeah. You know, maybe I draw the line there, and instead I just. because i'm a great comedic actor maybe i can find something else that's funny and not just like oh they're all short and uh at the beginning dude he makes a joke about how they look like they just woke up or like they look they're really tired yeah that's horrible (laughs) uh ashley i know you speak a bit of french and have an infatuation with the french culture that's not true oh no a little bit yeah i was gonna say when did that change that being said in this particular movie don't you find it a bit demeaning and uh a bit overly patriotic and egotistical that the Americans just kind of domineer over the foreign culture. Absolutely. What does that have to do with French? Because <laughs> I was saying, like, right. in general, like, yeah. she lives in Texas and she's taking the trouble to <laughs> learn some French, which, if, you know, you went to a foreign country, like, my whole thing. If you ramp up to go to spend time in fucking Tokyo, you should at least know a few phrases that are going to help you get by. Or, at the very least, not be an asshole about the fact that, you know, they don't speak your language when you are in their country. If this was remade today, his character would have a MAGA hat on. (laughs) (laughs) There was just too much of it. Like, everywhere, there were stereotypes and exaggerations. Even towards the end, when he takes that razor out, he looks at it and he's like, it has this resentful look because of how small the utensil is. Yeah, it's like, we get it. You're tall, you're big, and Japanese people are generally smaller than you. Yeah. That's, that's a joke that maybe it didn't even need to be made, but if it was going to be made, you could have you know, taken care of it once, and mm-hmm. that was it, not keep going back to it. Yeah. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, to her credit, or at least to her character's credit, she doesn't go there. She's a little more... Uh, I guess just taken by the culture. Well, her character wasn't around when the Japs brought war to the country. <laughs> That's right. She doesn't have that bitterness yeah. uh, uh, that older Americans do. Can we not forget about the hooker, though? Because she was great. Yes. The best. But, but also, that's just like, what are you saying about <laughs> Japanese culture? That they just. I forgot all about that. There's like the whole disconnect about. Uh, what words she's saying and whatnot because of the, the heavy Asian accent. Yeah, I mean, I, I we are really trying really hard to actually not quote Bill Murray and the way that he makes fun of them, but when she keeps trying to tell him to rip her panties <laughs> and he just doesn't get it, yeah. and he's just like, what? Lip your panties? It's just, ah, it's just so bad. But, but yeah, so of course they'll send a hooker to give him a massage and then act, I guess, sexy. And he's a seasoned his- man. He should know how to treat a hooker. It's yeah. just not. Yeah, you cannot tell me that this is the first hooker that Bill Murray's had, actor and character. I mean, I think that he he should have known better. He acts like like he's a teenager, and this is first rodeo. And props for bringing that back, Ashley, because that was earlier in the movie, and I completely forgot about it. But yeah, it's this very misplaced like slapstick comedy scene. Of they send a hooker up to his room, and then she starts falling over and shit. Yeah, and it really it's kind of weird because I, I mean, it's clear that they had sex. Right? There's no way, because of the way that the cut happens and everything. Is it, it clear? 
I, I think so. Because, it, you know, it just, the last thing you see is he falls on top of her and the lights are off. And then it cuts to him having breakfast. So, I don't know. I think that I if you wanted... I assumed he kicked her out. No, I think that they would have shown us if he kicked her out. And, and then, but I, th- I felt it was weird because then later on in the movie, he sleeps with someone else. Yeah. And it's a huge deal. And uh, so, I don't know. I, I, I felt that it would have been, it would have felt like a bigger deal if he actually had never cheated on his wife. Mm-hmm. And then when he finally cheats on her, he cheats with somebody that's not Scarlett Johansson. But he already cheated with her with the on her with the hooker. But you know, I'm a guy, and you're giving us the female perspective. And mm-hmm. if you say that he didn't sleep with her, then is that wishful thinking? You just wish that he hadn't. I mean, judging by his tone, body language, what he was saying, it seemed like he was gonna kick her out. Which <laughs> led me to my next question because I was wondering: this is a guy who obviously ordered a hooker, or however you <laughs> you know get a ordered a hooker, requested a hooker, whatever. Um, would he have slept with the hooker if she were less ridiculous? But I don't think he ordered the hooker. Okay. Uh, I think that they sent her the hooker. I sent him the hooker. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was sent up to him. What, yeah. Julio, because that's how Tokyo hotels are? Was that's, that a hotel? That, or, that was a hotel, right? That is a hotel. Okay. <laughs> but no, that's because that's the, that, that, that seems to fit the way the movie portrays yeah. Asian culture. You know, it's like he's every time he steps out of his room, uh, everybody there's like a crowd of Japanese people just fawning over him, the way that Giovanni Ribisi doesn't fawn over Scarlett Johansson. But uh, they just they're there to meet his every needs, and then, so it doesn't surprise me when somebody knocks on the door, he opens, and it's uh, a hooker, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm here for your massage or whatever," <laughs> and he's like, "Uh," and then. Like, he doesn't know what that's code for. So, uh, Charlotte and her friends and Bob are all out, and drinks continue to the point where they push one of the bartenders over the edge and chases him out with a gun of some sort. We weren't able to figure out what the fuck which he was shooting. Never seen a gun like that in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they shooting, like, lasers or some shit. Yeah, but obviously, I mean, it wasn't, like, something lethal because it's not, like... Anybody they're laughing. The yeah, they're just laughing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're having a great time being chased by this laser gun. It would have been awesome if someone was just brutally murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, this took a turn. Uh, so it leads to them continuing on partying, smoking weed, doing karaoke, continuing to drink. And they're just getting closer and closer. And this is where we get the uh, iconic shot of the film where she's wearing that pink wig. Out of nowhere. Channeling um, Natalie Portman in Closer. A much better movie. Much better movie. Much, much. You know what happened in Closer? People had sex throughout that movie. They did not Clyde make you wait. Was dirty as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He was not whispering anything. He was saying it out loud for everyone to hear. Uh, she puts uh, the shot is they're smoking a J and she puts her head on it. Do people still say smoke? I don't think so. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> they're sparking up. Yeah. <laughs> So this, basically the friendship, whatever their relationship is, is born. The next day they go out for sushi together. They're just kind of getting closer and closer. The joke kind of turns to, um, one of the shots we saw of her in the aforementioned panties was she stubbed her toe. Right. Yeah, so they're at the sushi place and while belittling the Japanese culture <laughs> and cuisine. Yes, basically saying that, uh, oh, well, it's Japan, so of course they would just sell your your dead toe, your black toe, they just put it as sushi. Yeah. And that's and of course it's extra mean because the sushi chefs they don't understand what he's saying. So yeah. they're just kind of like they are being nice and polite. And uh he says we gotta go to the hospital so the egotism of Americans <laughs> here go to the Japanese hospital and just expect all of them to speak English. 
Yeah, he, he acts kind of offended, like, well, I guess we can't go anywhere else. So, yeah, whatever you say, like, the doctor just... Uh. So she gets her toe checked out, and based on the x-ray and the context clues of it all, one, this is just, you know, Sofia Coppola probably clocked this movie in originally in about 30 minutes. She's like, fuck, I gotta do some... I gotta stretch <laughs> this out. Because uh, this really serves no purpose. I think her toe is broken based on what, the way the doctor's talking to her. They, they bandage it somehow. Uh, we don't even get the benefit of subtitles, which is kind of like get the doctor speaking Japanese for a long time, and then you were she, broken a toe. Uh, I cracked one. I had like a little fissure, and yeah, you, there's no fixing it, right? You yeah, just you like just have to power through it. You can. There's things you can do to reset your big toe, but as someone who's broken both his pinky toes, you just have to deal with it. Was this wrestling related? This was wrestling, wasn't it? They were both when I was drunk and in a hurry to get to the bathroom, and I stubbed it either on a chair or a door frame. And yeah, and I woke up the next day and I had the brack toe. And uh, that's neither here nor there. Were you were you thinking, oh, this would go well with sushi? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're a better person than Bill Murray in this I'm, movie. Then. I'm not Bob Harris. Uh, so what this does, though, is it sets the tone of... Uh, it almost takes on this weird father-daughter type thing. So then their whole romance is just getting weirder and weirder as the movie goes on. Yeah, because... And I think I mentioned it while we were watching. It looks, it almost looks like Scarlett Johansson gets younger the more the movie goes. Mm-hmm. And, and Bill Murray, well, he just kind of stays old. But Well, when they put her in pigtails with a lolly at the end, I thought that was a bit much. <laughs> with the schoolgirl outfit, just yes. the ultimate <laughs> Japanese insult. <laughs> Um, so that night they have a late night rendezvous and that's, you know, very, it's a meet cute as it were. He sends a, a telegram to her door that says, you know, are you still uh, sitting there drinking sake, watching TV? Yeah. Uh, not having sex. No. A better movie, a movie that's realistic would yes. have had them hook up after that first night at the bar. <laughs> Cause it's clear that they both would like in the real world, uh, she finds him attractive there's no way that anybody that's uh, into women wouldn't find Scarlett Johansson attractive. So there's no way that it wouldn't happen. But for some reason, the movie just keeps delaying it and keeps trying to find ways that are just not realistic, really, to keep them from hooking up. And it really, the fact that it doesn't happen in this scene, yeah. when they're drinking, they're in her bedroom, his bedroom. I think they're in his hotel room. Uh, yeah, and uh, they're both laying in bed. We're, what, maybe like an hour into the movie? Maybe even longer. And the closest we get to any sort of action is him touching her foot before they fall asleep. That is such bullshit. (laughs) We are all adults, Sofia Coppola. Don't try to sell us this. We have uh, the only part of the movie where Bill Murray, uh, Bob Harris, explains... He breaks down life and explains, you know... When you have kids, it sucks because your life's over, but then they grow up and they start moving and talking and then they become the greatest people you've ever known. So it's a very somber take on the whole having kids thing. It's like, it kills your life, but, you know, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? It's worth it. So, yeah, and then they pass out next to each other and he, he rubs her foot as they fall asleep gently. There's a lot of Charlotte finding herself following these next few scenes of basically just her out her own. Doesn't she have, like, a, a temple of some sort? Yes, I, I don't know what was going on in that scene. I, she just walks off on her own, 
because you know she needs some time away from Bill Murray after he touched her foot. <laughs> she she needs to really process that, and uh, she sees some some people just walking down the street. A geisha, I believe. Was it, that a geisha? <laughs> no, you're being offensive. Oh God! <laughs> you know yeah. what? Not every Japanese woman wearing a kimono is that a geisha. That killed actually. me. That's so annoying. That was the final straw. I was like, okay, of course she's gonna see a geisha, and all of a sudden everything's gonna make sense. <laughs> Her yeah. crisis is going to be over. All it takes is a geisha. Yeah, I think, okay, so do you think that that, it just now, because you said it, it just now hit me, is that the moment that she decides, okay, I'm going to fuck him? <laughs> because then the next time that she sees him, it you know, then they have their big fight. So is that it? Like going to the temple really made her decide, I can cheat on Giovanni Ribisi. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be okay. He's, he almost screwed up the wonders. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Bob's gone stir crazy with all his commitments. He breaks away, and this is where he commits to do that fucking wacky ass talk show. Yes, in the in the Japanese tradition of quirkiness that this movie has established, yeah. it's it keeps I mean, getting gay pop America fun time now. Yeah, yeah, it's like uh, I don't know. I mean, do we have like an equivalent of that? It would be like like what John Stewart uh, being that show? A, that show. I don't know. TRL with Cartman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's. It's really, it's really over the top, and of course, uh, because you see, you know, first you see like the quirkiness of just when they're hanging out with their friends, and then at some point, Scarlett Johansson is wandering around an arcade, and the camera just makes a point of showing how crazy weird these Japanese video games are, you know, yeah. with the weird, like, it looks like there's hot dogs jumping up and down or something. Even the guys that are playing games that are kind of recognizable for Americans, like Guitar Hero or Dance Dance Revolution, yeah. they're, like, really into it, and it's... And I don't know, I guess maybe it's a little less less weird now than it was in 2003, but it really felt like, oh, she's exploring, like, an alien planet. Yeah. And it builds up throughout the movie until you get to this sequence with the talk show where the guy's just dancing and trying to make... Uh, uh, Bill Murray dance and he's like very over the top and Bill Murray is just basically almost he is Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> so Bob's just kind of lost after this it was his way of breaking away he gets even I think even more confused with his current situation uh, following the uh, interview the talk show so he just winds up, winds up back at the hotel bar and just gets piss-ass hammered and then ends up banging the club singer yeah. who at one point in the movie is singing a very very odd uh, club version of... Uh, Scarborough Fair? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but then he wakes up the next day clearly hungover, and, you know, he's got that face that we've all had before of, like, uh, fuck, what did I do? I would have gone for the ridiculous hooker over her. Like... <laughs> wow. I, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that red wig was doing it for me uh, in a way that... Uh, I would say Francis McDormand's red wig in, uh, in Flux was not... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the other one, the, I would like to lip her stockings. This <laughs> one, not so much. But I love the shot that he's he drank so much that he wasn't sure until he saw the two champagne glasses, and then he was like, oh, shit. And then, of course, because it's a movie, Scarlett Johansson shows up, and uh, here's, her, here's her singing in the background, right? Yeah, she's, she's in the bathroom, and she's been singing. And she, she gets mad, and then all that they've built just kind of quickly falls apart, despite the fact that they haven't been intimate in any way. Exactly. She has no reason, she has no right to get mad at him. She's married, and uh, and she, I mean, they haven't done anything. That's, uh, you know, he's, a, you would think, he's her buddy. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, in this, I'll give the movie this much credit. This is the one scene that where I felt that things got real, mm -hmm. because that kind of, I mean, most of the movie, it's just them 
sort of dating, which yeah. is which is why it gets pretty boring. They're they're not really arguing or anything. It's just them hanging out and having fun, and it's really not that fun unless you're in the room with them. You know, this, just... this goes out of its way to be like men are pit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just so you know, which is it's weird because. Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, Bill Murray, he has his personality that he's been cultivating since, you know, he came on screen, since like SNL. But this is the first time that I felt that he was portrayed as a, like, as a manic pixie boy. As a <laughs> 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 you know, he's just a little too perfect in the way that that he just, he always has like the right quips and he, he just brightens up her life the right way and whatever. So it was so good, even though it happened so late in the movie, to see him fuck up. And yeah. I was like, oh no, he's a guy. Yeah. You know, it's like, God knows why he hasn't had sex with Scarlett Johansson, but the truth is he, he will have sex with the singer. So it felt, it finally felt like this dose of reality hit the movie. Uh, a little too late, but again, uh, uh, it was welcome. Yeah, and then all falls apart with their relationship. And then it's uh, his last night in the hotel, and there's the fire alarm goes off, and they are you know kind of reunited through that. Um, and of course, in the movie's last jab at the Japanese culture, he's <laughs> in a robe that's way too small for him, and the slippers that are way too small for him. Um, but let's talk about that scene though when they're in the restaurant, like right after. Oh, where they have their fight. Her. I feel like that was the only realistic moment, like when she was acting like. You know, throwing out those. Well, she is closer to your age. It's like, finally, oh yeah, okay. she's being really catty. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Well, he said something else too, right? Uh, he he said something like, "Wasn't there anyone else to lavish?" Yeah, this? yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that was, uh, yeah. That that also felt real. You know, finally, yeah. people being mean and nasty to each other. Uh, there's no way that you're you're gonna have uh, this paradise of a holiday with this man that you've just met uh where you're like emotionally cheating on your husband and and it's not gonna get ugly at some point it's just you see normal movies good movies they focus on the interesting stuff which is why you get to the conflict a lot sooner this movie just takes its sweet time from when they meet to when they actually have a fight that's basically the entire movie is from you know uh it's it's almost like you know it hit me as it was coming to an end. It's almost like the before trilogy, but without the interesting conversations. So imagine it was just if it was just Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy walking around <laughs> <laughs> for ninety minutes. That that's kind of like what this movie is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they they address that when they meet up in the fire outside or uh, after the fire alarm went off, and they said that was the worst lunch ever. Um, so then they both return to their rooms, and we just get this awkward as hell kiss, like their goodbye. Twice. That's right. Yeah, because he misses the, the elevator the first time around. Yeah, it's a it, it's such a tease uh, from Coppola because by now she has to know that you know if you're watching the movie. Here's the thing: if you're watching the movie for the first time and you don't know how it ends, uh-huh. you are like, this is clearly building up to them hooking up, you know. And if you're gonna make me wait the entire movie at least i know that that's that's coming and uh so when they're in the elevator and they miss the kiss they miss the floor and all that stuff you know that it's gonna happen right and then it doesn't happen and you're like fuck this (laughs) the second time you watch it because you know it doesn't you know it doesn't build to anything you think that you take it because you know it's building up to a a sort of a night climax you would think it'd be easier to watch but no it's just as bad if not worse because now you're like this is so pointless 
you're just teasing me and I know it's not going to come to anything. It's so pointless because like if they would have hooked up, it would have meant something it would have meant like these two found each other, you know, blah, 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 whatever. But he's smiling in the taxi or whatever. And it's like, what are you smiling about? You're about to go home to your wife who was like <laughs> talking about carpet samples. You're smiling. Yes. I came to this movie to watch you to hook up. I don't need to see you have sex, but I need you to at least like imply, like, you know, go into the room and close the door and then I'll scratch you on the door now. <laughs> Yeah, so we know that, that we sat through this or for something. And like she's smiling. It's like, what? Did you, did, is your crisis over? Do you know what you want to do with your life? Um, did you learn? Did we learn anything? That's I feel like. Was Giovanni Ravisi's <laughs> dead. <you're> <laughs> I'll kill him for you. <laughs> so, yeah, as we're joking about this, all leads to the final scene. It's Bob's last day. Uh, he left his jacket in Charlotte's room. She brings it down. They have a nice kind of goodbye, but there's something that's missing from it. The sex. Uh, well, yeah, that. But he, go, he goes to leave, and he's in his taxi, and he sees her off in the... I, I feel so uncultured not knowing what the name of it is, but basically the Tokyo equivalent of Times Square, where basically all the life is. I don't feel uncultured, because I have no idea. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, and he goes up, and he, hey, you, and then she turns around, and then this is the famous shot where he says something to her. We don't know what, but it's enough to get an audible, ah, out of her. <laughs> I know whatever he says, it ends with okay. I think that the okay is pretty, uh, uh, pretty clear. Has uh, Coppola ever talked about like what? I, I'm pretty sure because the internet exists, there has to be somebody that just slowed down the thing to where he could just pluck the audio and really uh, uh, figure out what he really says. I remember the one time I tried to look it up, and that was after uh, watching the movie, I think, the first time. Uh, it just... It, there was some sort of bullshit answer of like, oh, well, that's between Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. Like, yeah. like the actors, not the characters. Like he came up with it and, and, uh, and so it's between them. And uh, I, I think storytelling wise, it's such a cheat because I think that it, that's how they pretend or they, they attempt to get away from this relationship not being consummated. Yeah. You know, it's just like, Oh, we're not going to give you the sex, but you know what? What he whispered to her was really awesome. I just, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but trust me, it's really awesome. So it's really worth it. But it's not because we didn't hear it. Yeah. So That's I, such bullshit. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, in my mind, he just said, don't cheat on your husband. Okay. But then they kiss. <laughs> but then they kiss. It's just a goodbye kiss. It's like, this is what you're missing. And then he drives off and the sun is coming out finally. <laughs> and then he's going back to his family, which I guess he, he likes now. He did. Well, you know, now he has a story. That's true. I, I went to Japan. I almost hooked up with Scarlett Johansson. I made her wait. And then just when she thought it was going to happen, I said, no. <laughs> Remember when she said something about going through the photography phase and she was like, you know, every girl goes through that, like like horses. I was like, what the f-? I was like, this bitch went to Yale. <laughs> yeah, now she's generalizing the entire genre, uh, uh, gender. Uh, Pretty consistently through the movie, I was like, this girl went to Yale. Yep, she seems pretty lost in <laughs> translation uh, and in the movie. <laughs> I don't know what what's lost in <laughs> translation. Like what's what's with the title? What gets lost in translation? The Is love that fucking opening scene or the the uh, director of the commercials saying a bunch of things and then she's just like, look at the camera. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so right, but but what I mean is like, there's nothing lost in translation between them. They're both. There's everything. <laughs> we're, we're ready to move along, real talk. Uh, I, I guess we're sure. ready to, to move along, yes. Okay. 
Does it get easier? No. Yes. It gets easier. No, oh, yeah. Look at you. Thanks. <laughs> and the more you know who you are and what you want, the less you let things upset you. Yeah. I just don't know what I'm supposed to be. You know? I tried being a writer, but I hate what I write. And I tried taking pictures, but they're so mediocre, you know? And every girl goes through a photography phase. You know, like horses. You know, take a dumb pictures of your feet. You'll figure that out. And I'm not worried about you. Keep riding. But I'm so mean. Mean's okay. What about marriage? Does that get easier? That's hard. We used to have a lot of fun. Lydia would come with me when I made the movies and we would laugh about it all. Now she doesn't want to leave the kids and she doesn't need me to be there. The kids miss me, but they're fine. It gets a whole lot more complicated when you have kids. Yeah, it's scary. It's the most terrifying day of your life, the day the first one is born. Nobody ever tells you that. Your life, as you know it, is gone. Never to return. But they learn how to walk and they learn how to talk and... and you want to be with them. And they turn out to be the most delightful people you will ever meet in your life. Okay, real talk for Lost in Translation. All right, Lost in Translation, just get all the normal things out of the way. Uh, released in the United States on September 12, 2003. So actually, we did this pretty close to its original release date, so props to us. What is it? Uh, this is its 14-year-old anniversary? Yes, that is correct. Uh, I, I, will, I will edit it so uh, it looks like you came up with that answer like right away. <laughs> we're on real talk, don't worry about it. Uh, written and directed by Sofia Coppola, she won Best Original Screenplay at the 2004 Academy Awards. And while we were filming, filming Jesus Christ, while we were recording uh, hashtag CC, I did go back and look at that year. Julio, you were correct. Return of the King won Best Picture. The other nominations uh, were Lost in Translation, Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, Mystic River, and Seabiscuit. What fucking dire straits. <laughs> That was the most boring Oscars uh, 
ceremony that I remember watching in a long time. Uh, I was in College Station, and I went to see it uh, at like at A&M Auditorium. They were playing it there, and yeah, it was Lord of the Rings just took everything. Uh, I guess it didn't take original screenplay because it's not an original screenplay. But if it had been, then he probably would have taken that one too. It's like the movie took my life. <laughs> Three years of your life. Exactly. Uh, and I can't remember if we were recording or not, but Ashley mentioned Finding Nemo. It didn't win Best Animated, but that was still in that era where it was poo-pooed upon to have an animated feature. Even if it was Pixar. 1992 when Beauty and the Beast got nominated for Best Picture and everyone raised like this giant fuss. And then they were like, okay, we're not going to do that again. Anyway, uh, did win for Best Original Screenplay. <laughs> Bill Murray was nominated for Best Actor. Uh, the movie was filmed in 27 days, which I thought was pretty impressive. And then, of course, the most impressive of which, the budget was $4 million uh, for a worldwide box office return of a little under $120 million. Uh, and Roger Ebert had it listed in his greatest movies of all time. It is much better than I remembered. Uh, do you think it also won shortest screenplay like it's just basically like a page yeah it's uh <laughs> what was that robert redford movie a few years ago lives for lost Le- oh. <laughs> where the script is literally like 10 pages long he's floating he all keep... is lost in translation yes uh well some people five percent of the critics according to Rotten tomatoes didn't like it uh, Laurie Hoffman from Atlantic City Weekly said, Director Sofia Coppola does a laudable but ultimately unsatisfying job of presenting a ships that pass in the night scenario. When you talk about, like, do people still say that kind of stuff? Yeah. Ships that pass in the night? Uh, Paul Arendt from Teletext said, There is a pronounced bitchiness about the film that sits oddly with the gentle subject matter. Um, and he's talking about the Anna Ferris character and the way that the movie treats her. Uh, Susan Tavernetti from Palo Alto Weekly says, How sorry can you feel for rich, unadventurous Americans in a major funk? <laughs> it's not too far off. I was about to say, it's a good point. Uh, Victoria Alexander from filmsandreview.com says, Nothing happens and there is nowhere to go in Tokyo. It's all internal, Victoria. I agree. And finally... Kevin N. LaForest from Montreal Film Journal says, another elusive non-story about oh-so-existential beautiful misfits. Perfect. Jesus. <laughs> it's pretty snarky, but uh, I don't entirely disagree with him. Alex, I think out of the three of us, you're the most taken with this movie now. Yeah, I saw it when it originally came out, and it really just flew right over me. Um, I don't know. I'm hopeless romantic. What can I say? Of course. I, okay, number one, yeah, there's a lot of things that are problematic about, like, the almost laughing at Japanese people. Or it's just, I understand that if that, well, that's the point of that movie. They had to meet at that particular point in time, but, like, I feel like a lot of it's like, okay, some of this is unnecessary. Whatever the case, I really like the story of these two people at this crossroads in their own personal life, running into each other, spending time with each other, and not really... It's not about sex or love or anything like that. It's just about needed companionship at that specific point in time. And also the acting is really good. But you would agree that it's not a love story, really, right? This is, uh, uh, I remember when, um, oh, what's the movie with the gay cowboys? Um, Brokeback Mountain? Yes, when Brokeback Mountain came out. Ready to rumble. (laughs) (laughs) 
uh, they, uh, you know, everybody was talking about how it's, uh, it's a love story. And maybe it is. I haven't seen it in so long since it came out. But I remember my reaction to it was just like, no, it's not a love story. They're just, they just wanted to have sex, which is fine. I mean, that's a good story too. But really, uh, to me, it felt like the whole thing driving Jack Gyllenhaal and Heath Ledger was like, we're horny. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, uh, and this is kind of like, it feels like a little, I don't see how they make a profound connection in this movie. I buy it that they, you know, they just, they're hungry for a connection, but I don't think that it's something that's going to last forever or anything. You know what I mean? It's not this epic romance. They use each other. Yeah. They're just lonely and they, they just, they happen to be the two white people in that bar and then they just, I, the one thing that I was kind of serious about in uh, Hashtag CC was that I think that it's the fact that it's Carla Johansson makes it a little harder to buy. Like the yeah. whole thing. Uh, she's a great actress, but she, not to sound like I'm going to sound like such a guy right now. But it was like, she's too pretty for that. You know what I mean? Like she, uh, it's hard to buy her as not being popular. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's countless instances of attractive women that are not popular but in movies it's it makes it harder because you know you have to buy into like so many other things that when you add the fact that oh well she looks great how is it that you know her husband is just (laughs) ignoring her and how is it that bill murray doesn't try to sleep with her at all you know it's it just i have a, a hard time buying it as a realistic story but once you get into the mindset of the movie of like, oh, this is just a fairy tale. Don't worry about how it works logistically and just take it as imagine that they don't look the way that they look. Yeah. <laughs> then, oh, I can totally buy it. But it would be a lot easier for me to buy it if there were two people that were just, you know, that didn't look like Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson. Because even Bill Murray, I mean, he still he has that presence that I don't know. And I guess you kind of need it because he's an actor. He's supposed to be a famous actor in this movie. But imagine this movie with Tommy Lee Jones. And uh, I don't know, like Shailene uh, Woodley. <laughs> there you go. Shailene Woodley is a great actress that actually has more of a, that, like uh, uh, every woman kind of look. Quick sidebar: I had to. I recently uh, rewatched the, the Descendants. The spectacular now. Oh, I haven't seen it. I had to turn it off. Really? I, it calls me out on way too much of my own shit. <laughs> Wait, which one is that? I've uh, heard Miles Teller. Uh, Miles Teller's oh, an alcoholic. Yeah, I watched that. Yeah, I watched that. I couldn't do it. That's um, neither here nor there. But um, <laughs> well, I thought you were going to tell me that Bill Murray's uh, character here called you out, also on a deeply. <laughs> no, uh, what I was reading, Tarantino-esque. Um, Sofia Coppola said she wrote this movie specifically with Bill Murray in mind, a la Pulp Fiction, John Travolta, and wouldn't have done it if said person didn't sign on for it. I think Bill Murray is great in it. I don't think that's really disputable. I really want more Giovanni Ribisi, though. <laughs> yeah, I understand that he doesn't belong in this movie, and, and you know, in this story, it's not his story. But it was he. Uh, he definitely he comes in with a lot of energy, just the same way as Anna Faris. Yeah. I remember, and this is how you know you've gotten old because I really didn't like this movie when I watched it the first time, uh, which was when it came out. So fourteen years ago, I I thought it was too slow. I thought that there was, uh, was twenty years into the new movie. <laughs> I thought it was uh, too. Uh, I, I thought there was not enough was happening, and uh, and I can understand why the ending was cool, but it didn't connect with me. 
And now I've seen it and I was like, oh, I get it. You know, I can, I can appreciate this rhythm and <coughs> I, I don't mind so much that there's not a whole lot of plot going on because at least emotionally I can, I can see where these people are, you know, yeah. I can, uh, so I, I mean, that's cool. I, I get that, that stuff, but I still, I don't know, for some reason it doesn't, I don't connect with it the way that I think you connected with it in like a, a like romantic way. Like, oh, this really touches my heart. It's more as an, I see it and I was like, oh, I get what you're saying and that's pretty cool. And I like that we don't hear what he whispers at the end, but I... The problem uh, inherently is there's only so much you can do with this story that you can literally have a movie that's 80 minutes long and do the same thing. Right. Yeah, there's... I mean, well, before I get into, like, the other <laughs> Sofia Coppola movie that I've seen, though, Ashley, you did not like it. I did not. <laughs> I stand by everything that we've said or that I've said. Um, my issue is that you have these two seemingly people who, according to the movie, are way more enlightened than everyone else. And then you have this, but everyone else, like, you have this dumb, bu- bubbly actress. And then Giovanni, her husband, of course, he likes the dumb, bubbly one, not his wife, not his sexy wife who just graduated from Yale. Um, and then you have, of course, the ridiculous wife at home who's sending you carpet samples, you know, all these stereotypes. That I think things are more complicated than that. And, this is, of course, the dumb the dumb uh, citizens of Tokyo, the ridiculously <laughs> dumb citizens of Tokyo. I thought that, um, yeah, I don't think that's real. That's how I, I get how... what she's going for, but it's it's more complicated than that. How do the it's citizens It's never really of, just uh, like that. It's just... <laughs> Right. Well, yeah, that is true. I mean, it's always, it's very, other than Scarlett Johansson, Bill Murray's relationship, everything else is pretty black and white in the sense that I've forgotten that the wife, it's Bill Murray's wife is just, of course, she's only a voice on the phone, but it's a pointless side plot that we could have known she existed and not needed any of those scenes. Right, I think that the story is more interesting if you don't know what the deal is with his wife. But then the moment that the movie confirms, oh, well, she's just kind of a bitch, yeah. then, then oh, okay, well, then it's okay. You know, what he's... Uh, women setting up these, like, women cliches, but also trying to reinforce the strong independent women <laughs> stereotype. Uh, yeah, I agree that it's... it's a, a white straight man. <laughs> yeah, how dare you? Uh, now, I was going to say, how do the citizens of uh, Tokyo feel about this movie? <laughs> But I think they're all unaware that the bartenders have some sort of laser machine gun. <laughs> Where can I get me one of those? Uh, yeah, I no, I'm with you, Ashley, in that it should be, or I would enjoy it more if it was more complicated, if it was showing, uh, uh, if it felt a little more like real life. But like I said, once you get past that hurdle, uh, I can I can enjoy it for for what it is instead of worrying about what it isn't i guess uh because yeah the two performances are really good um i really like uh the the good thing about this really long slow build-up is that when they do have that fight you can really feel it mm-hmm. and scarlett johansson even before she says anything catty she just like her look the look on her face and the way her body language and his body language when they're having lunch and his being He's being so formal and proper and gentlemanly kind of the entire movie. And now he has his foot up and he takes the menu from her. He yeah. orders from her and takes the menu from her. And he's being kind of an ass. It's that kind of stuff. That's when it all pays off. I mean, you can get away with that when you've spent an hour 
<laughs> of the movie or more yeah. uh, just having them be and be yeah happy. like I said that moment was when I first thought okay finally she's being like a real human being like a real girl <laughs> who just witnessed that and you know she's being catty about it maybe I would have liked it if it were a little more like that and less less all that other stuff like all that exaggeration and stereotypes um, yeah I think I would have liked it better so and you didn't like Anna Ferris, right at all I I mean, I did like her. I just didn't like the way it was just too much. Like she was just, it was, you can portray a dumb, bubbly model like that without being, it was just too much. My you know what I mean? say Anna Ferris slash Kelly, <laughs> horny actress. <laughs> did you know, this is something that, uh, it's not the movie's fault really, but uh, I couldn't, it, it kind of taints the movie for me because uh I also remember hearing how, about how, yeah, Giovanni Rubisi is supposed to be based on Spike Jones, or at least that's what they say. I don't know if Coppola has actually gone out and said it, uh, but people assume that... She denied it in an interview. She did? Uh, with, uh, I think I read Entertainment Weekly, but yeah, it's the prevailing theory. Right, and then that Anna Ferris is supposed to be Cameron Diaz. Yeah. And so it sucks, and I know it's my fault not... Coppola's because she's denied it and not the movies because the movie doesn't come with like liner notes that say, hey, Spike Jones is supposed <laughs> to be this person, right? But when, uh, if you kind of like think about it and see it as an, oh, this is Sofia Coppola doing this movie and kind of making fun of her ex and this actress that worked with her ex, then it feels a little, uh, it, it's just petty and kind of childish. And again, I really shouldn't be feeling that way because the movie is not asking me to read it that way. It's just that the outside world has intruded and given me information that I didn't really need. But there were a couple of times when I was, you know, we're watching it and I was like, that's mean. I don't know what the history is between Cameron Diaz, uh, uh, Spike Jones, and Sofia Coppola, if there is any. Yeah. But, but if there is some, then I hate the fact that now I have to think about it when I watch the movie. You know? It's like, oh, is that why the Anna Ferris character is so ridiculous? Uh, that would make more sense. That, I like to think that that's the reason why versus her sitting there directing that, seeing this and actually accepting with, with, that. With no saying, motive. Hey, let's, let's, let's redo that just a little less. Let's uh, take it down a notch. Reading over those Best Picture nominations and the time frame of it being 14 years ago, I think a lot of this movie, I think that's probably why I kind of separated myself from watching it. There's been so many movies like this that have been made since then that have given it time to kind of perfect that medium. If you look at those pictures it was put up against and think about that time frame, like fucking uh, Lord of the Rings, Sea Biscuit, uh, Mystic River, like this really would have stood out at that point in time. Well, I mean, yeah, because it's nothing like those movies. But I'm actually, I like Sea Biscuit. A lot. Really? And I think Mystic River is one of Clint Eastwood's best. And I'm what all about Lord one? of the Rings, so uh, that was a great year for me. Uh, <laughs> you don't like Gran Torino, though, right? Oh, no. Gran Torino is... Oh, fuck off. It has Seriously, fuck off. It has something in common with uh, Lost in Translation, and that is uh, <laughs> the, the racism in the... Well, for one, those are Koreans. <laughs> <laughs> it's still... Who's racist oh, now? What was the the fifth movie? Uh, what fifth movie? The out, out of nomination, nominations. the best picture nominations. Uh, the fucking had a really long title, Gods and Generals. Not that. No. 
Gods and Generals was a movie that came out. It Master was, and Commander. Oh, Master and Commander, that's also great. Uh, I, I would like to say, if I had to rank them... Out of those, Mystic River goes first. I think that year I was rooting for Mystic River. Um, I probably put Lost in Translation ahead of uh, Sea Biscuit, but I will have to rewatch Sea Biscuit. And uh, yeah, Lord of Rings goes at the end. Oh God, I forgot Renee Zellweger won an Oscar that year. Yeah, for uh, Cold Mountain. Yo, have you seen Cold Mountain? No. That's the movie with uh, Jack White in it. Who? The guy from the White Stripes. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I knew that. I kind of knew that. Okay. Kind of. But I thought you meant Philip Seymour Hoffman, because he's in it. <laughs> and Jude Law. And Nicole Kidman. Anyway. And Donald Sutherland. I think movies like this had been made many, many years before Lost in Translation. Many have been made since. I think it came along uh, probably strategically at a point in time where there wasn't too much else like this on the market. And I think... Uh, it benefited from that, but my standpoint is watching it again now. I think it's really great. But okay, so which movie since would you compare it to? Which movie has come out since that you would say, "Oh, this is kind of like Lost in Translation, but better"? Well, now you put me on the spot. <laughs> I saying like the whole independent movie motif and all that, like. The unconventional love story. And the really, like, slow... Let's take it slow and... I can tell you a movie that kind of wanted to be like this, but was fucking dog shit, was uh, Celeste and Jesse Forever. <laughs> did you ever see that? Yes, I did. It was terrible. I hated it. <laughs> I did not see that one. It, I don't think it was around for too long. But but it was a... I thought... I don't remember confirming it, but it felt like it was a critical darling. It, it was. It, well, fits in with our whole... <laughs> Rashida Jones wrote it. Yeah. And women, fuck yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah, that movie, I think it wanted to be like a mismatch and also people, because remember the ending is like they're not dating anymore, but they're friends. I, I blocked, I just remember being so annoyed because I was really pumped to like it and then it just, it was I just. I to watch that movie. Ooh. Yeah, I went to the theater <laughs> to watch it. Anyway. Um, but okay, so since we're talking about like, you know, oh, female filmmakers or whatever. So how do you feel about Sofia Coppola? I was, I was talking to Ashley earlier because I've only seen uh, this one and then I watched uh, the, the Bling Ring a few weeks ago and I was planning on watching more because I wanted to really get a sense of uh, what her filmography was like before I completely indicted, indicted her just based on Lost in Translation. But I didn't get around to it. But the one thing that, I, that struck me just watching the Bling Ring was that at least going by those two movies, she really has that slow pace. And you could accuse the Bling Ring of a lot of things that you could accuse Lost in Translation of. Bling Ring is spectacularly underwhelming. It's a movie that there's nothing inherently wrong with it, but it's just very plain. Really? I, I think I like it better than Lost in Translation. Really? Yeah. I mean, you have uh, Hermione looking awesome, but outside of that, it's it's just... It's very slow. Right, but so is this one. Very little payoff. But I feel like the ending of this, it, it pays up. For, that's the thing. That's where fucking art <laughs> subjection comes into play. Because I think the, the ending of this pays off how slow it is. Whereas the bling ring is just like... Uh, I think... Well, that's the difference. The, the true story, so you know how it's going to fucking end. Right. Well, I think that bling, what the bling ring has that Lost in Translation doesn't is that it is about... I felt like it was a, about a little more 
you know, this is just a little too, uh, uh, you know, like that quote said, oh, this is uh, rich white people being on adventures and bored. And okay, well, I'll watch a movie about yeah, that. But yeah, that's, this is 40 also. <laughs> yes. It's fucking awful. <laughs> but then, but the bling ring had a little more to say about the media and celebrity culture. So it had a point. Because, I mean, when I, Marie Antoinette and The Virgin Suicides, I like The Virgin Suicides. I, but I'm thinking that's maybe just her style. Like, pointless is, sounds like a, a, it sounds bad because a mo- I don't know. I mean, it, it builds, it builds it, to something. Those, Marie Antoinette was more visually, wasn't it? I didn't see it. That's, you didn't see I it. wanted to, uh, but I didn't get to. I, I, I like Kirsten Dunst. But you've seen Marie Antoinette and mm-hmm. you've seen The Virgin Suicides. And are they just slowly paced yeah it's more about the acting and it's more like a visual exercise it's less about it kind of just shows a condition it shows someone's condition or multiple people's conditions and there's not really a point at the end there's no takeaway there's never a takeaway and so now this kind of makes sense um, rewatching this I remember uh, that's her style I remember being uh, working at the theater when uh, Marie Antoinette came out and just people complaining about how it's just like isn't it like you kind of see her do the same thing over and over yeah like day after day she has the same routine and that sounds like a Sofia Coppola movie just from what I know of yeah. Sofia Coppola and just having watched these two uh, movies and uh, I mean I'm sure I, I really I want to watch uh somewhere because that also sounded like something that would be apparently but i really enjoyed uh the bling ring which made me want to watch more of her stuff um i don't know i think she has a gift for uh uh like also the the like the music the the montages in the bling ring i think they're really good like the music i really like the soundtrack and uh you were really taken with the soundtrack in this one yeah it's It's good and she really has a knack for moments and creating Mm -hmm. moments and uh, things that'll stick with you. Um, yeah, I mean, Bling Ring, this, uh, I saw the Virgin Suicides many moons ago. Haven't seen Mary Antoinette, but um, yeah, I mean, coming from her being universally reviled as the worst part of Godfather 3, I think, <laughs> uh, made a, a good niche, uh, niche for herself. Uh, yeah, I I also I didn't get to watch The Beguiled. I but I like that she's out there making movies that may not be blockbusters and may not bring like a lot of money. I mean I don't know did it? You, I don't think you mentioned like how much money did this make? Oh yeah, it had a four million dollar budget, made one hundred twenty million worldwide. Take that back. That was <laughs> a hell of a take. Uh, yeah, it was a bit. It was one of those uh, Juno esque indie darlings that when word got out, it kind of exploded. I remember. Uh, it was one of those rare instances where we were still playing it at the theater when the DVD came out. Yeah. I was like, what? I thought we didn't do that. The, but, uh, the Toy Story principle. Yeah, it's like, if it makes money, we'll do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, you know, mixed feelings aside, I, I definitely, I don't think it's a movie you regret watching. Oh, no, no, no. And it's a movie I can see myself watching again. Uh, Whoa, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> really, Ashley, do you think that maybe it has something to do with like where you are in your you, life? No, exactly. Because, I mean, when I watched it... I, I, I fucked Bill I think... <laughs> <laughs> I really don't need to see that again. Um, I think that does matter because I might be a little more cynical, just a tad, just a tad more cynical than I was when I watched it way back in the day. But I still, the fact that... I kind of barely remembered it, and I kind of felt like I probably did maybe like it a little bit. It's just, it wasn't very memorable. Though. But do you remember the ending, right? 
No, actually, I didn't. Really? You didn't remember that no. they don't do anything except, like, nope. he whispers in her ear? No. Nope. Uh, oh, see, that's... I, I And I kind of mentioned it in, in Hashtag CC. I, that's something that really defined the way I was watching it this time. Because I think that when you don't know that you're leading... That the movie's building up to that, it's a completely different experience. Because you're concerned with when are they going to hook up and then what's going to happen. But then once you know that they don't hook up at all... Where is the translation? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where is Bill Murray's penis? <laughs> uh, yeah, that that makes for a very different uh, uh, and I think more enjoyable experience. Knowing you know, because I was just sitting back and relaxing and just knowing, oh, this ends with him just hugging her and whispering in her ear, yeah. and and then that's it. So I can I can enjoy the poignancy of wow, they had all these moments, but they never really got to that other level. Uh, so that's I think that that's kind of cool. So yeah, it might have been a great movie for 2003, but um, <laughs> it's not. I don't think it's timeless or anything. It's something that you can watch now and you know be like how I am right now. But you are aren't you always recommending uh, Gone with the Wind, which I still okay, haven't seen. Yeah, that's like it's Gone with the Wind. It's three hours long. Okay, I don't know what... It's longer than that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what they were doing in Peru, but it's pretty. I mean, that's <laughs> a timeless movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually close. At least to the translation, it's I guess. It's like fucking four and a half or some shit. Okay, we're watching this, and you're going to see why. Well, we have to do, like it was originally, it was in the theaters, where the intermission, they have an orchestra come out and play, like, while we're waiting and everything. But, I'm down. Well, but, I mean, you like it because it's... It uh, has... Gone with the Wind has every element you would... Have you shoot not ever seen Gone with the Wind? I haven't. I just said We're that. We're watching it. I, I, God, man. It's got everything you would want. And the, the, the most amazing leads. I didn't in school. I didn't go to school here. Why would I watch Gone you with know. the Wind? <laughs> and there You're is, lucky you got your citizenship. There are no epic Have love Have you witnessed Clark uh, Gable's acting? I mean, I don't think I've seen a single Clark, uh, Clark Gable movie, actually. Okay. But, you should see uh, The Misfits, Marilyn Monroe's last movie, Clark Gable's, and also... Stuff. Do they do they hook up or do they just hug at the end and uh, whisper <laughs> something and, and then she slaps him? <laughs> uh, no, I guess where I was going is uh, you're not in, you may not be as much of a romantic as Alex, but you do have romantic bones in your body oh, yeah. still. So if Lost in Translation doesn't really get you all swept up in the in the romance, what movie does? Oh wow. Um, actually, Gone with the Wind is a perfect example. That's and, why I brought it up. Thank you for bringing to light my skewed version of. <laughs> now we have to talk about what I consider to be romantic. Um, I, I like you bringing me into it also <laughs> like a circle chart <laughs> where there's the little part that overlaps. Um, and it actually might go like coincide with how like the only part that I really thought was real was like at the diner when she was kind of being catty. Like what I like about Gone with the Wind, like between Clark Gable and Scarlett, or yeah. I used his actor name and her, you know, whatever. But um, I like that um, there, th there's a lot of conflict and it's, you know, it spans over years and it's this, you know, she's a very, they both have very, very strong personalities and it's, they're, they're fight yeah, they're fighting for each other, well, at times and um, it's really, really dynamic and there's not, there wasn't really a lot. I, I can see that. For what it's worth, Annie Hall uh, that's still my top romantic movie, and it's kind of a mix of both because it it can be really sweet, but there's also just they're very complicated people that have a more complex relationship, I think, than Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson in in this one. Keep in mind, my infatuation with this isn't like 
extremely romantic. I think this could be just two people being friends at the right time. We're talking about like a romance that I connect with. It's definitely like Forrest Gump. (laughs) Right. Well, but you can't say that it's not really a romance because really the movie doesn't work if you don't have that sexual tension between them. That's why I'm saying what I take away from it is (laughs) not necessarily, this isn't what I would define as like a romance that speaks to me. It's just a story that speaks to me. I'm trying to think of one where, because I do like the whole thing where, you know, two people are going through something, they're lost, blah, 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 they find that. What, is the one with um, Ju- Julia Louise Dreyfus and, um, was that kind James of James like Gandolfini, that? enough that said. That was like that, right? Yeah. See, I love yeah. that. I love that. And I don't know, and like I said, it could be the whole details that I'm focusing on in Lost in Translation that made made me not enjoy it. But I do enjoy, I, I, what... You know, oh no, but whole... there's there's a lot more, even just plot wise. There's a lot yeah, more going on. And enough said. I mean, there's it... <clears throat> blue is the warmest color. Same way. There's a, a lot going on there. Oh, oh well, I, I, I just know. I'm trying to keep a straight face, but <laughs> I just can't. You're being very, you're like, you're being, he's being very serious right now. He's there just, is a lot going on. Both y'all stop. <laughs> uh, okay, Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, yeah, enough said. It's fantastic, and that's a really good example. Uh, there is a lot. There's a lot of real life in between those two people. Mm-hmm. And they try to figure out a way to make it work. Yeah, you know, I just watched uh, very recently. I watched this movie called The Switch, and don't roll your eyes, <laughs> don't shake your head either. It's uh, it. uh, you know Jason <laughs> Jason Bateman. Okay. I watched it for Jason Bateman, uh, even though Jennifer Aniston is is. Good. I don't have anything against her. It's just that most of the time her movies are not great. But Bateman, I was like, Bateman being Bateman, it's worth watching. And uh, and it's actually, it's surprisingly good. Uh, it's not great, but uh, the big thing about it is that, or the thing that makes it uh, re- relatable to what we're talking about is that they open the movie and they're one of those uh, couples that, they're not a couple, they're just friends. Yeah. Which I guess is what the Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray relationship would be if it didn't end at the end of Lost in Translation, if they actually like remain friends for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like, oh, we had that window of like four days to hook up, but then because we didn't, now we're just friends, yeah. <laughs> and and you can and there's that sexual tension through the first half of the switch or so that feels, I buy it, you know, because Jason Bateman looks. He doesn't. Uh, he's he's pretty good at playing neurotic and also playing like a regular guy. And what, I can totally buy him not like missing his chance with Jennifer Aniston, and and just kind of like sticking around. So uh, I don't know. Maybe they'll do like a Lost in Translation sequel, like they did with uh, you know uh, before Sunrise. I think they blue is almost color. And I was like, there wasn't a sequel. To it. It was just one really long movie. In Peru, they released it as three different volumes. <laughs> All right, so that will wrap up Lost in Translation. Julio, what's on deck next? Up next is Bewitched. Oh, God. Nora Ephron, <laughs> Will Ferrell, Nicole Kidman. I'm not going to tell you how I feel about this movie. I'm going to let you like find out. Q&A with Will Ferrell when someone asked him, I said, all right, day one, I knew we were in the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that in mind, we quickly move <clears throat> along to plugs. I have a... Uh, you here um good time with robert pattinson is fucking incredible is it yes uh i think when did i see reed recently that he told me that good time was great yeah it feels like it was more recently than that but maybe but yeah he 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 was just talking about how 
he wasn't taken by any of the blockbusters and uh but the the smaller movies had the really good ones had flown under the radar and he brought up a good time good time is incredible that that's uh it's a movie that i saw the trailer's like all right i'm gonna go see this just out of curiosity's sake and 10 minutes into the movie i had no idea what was going to happen next it it keeps your interest robert pattinson is incredible uh can't recommend that enough uh what else oh american vandal on netflix i was just plugging that earlier that's absolutely fantastic as well um i feel like i watched something recently that oh yeah uh i on a fucking whim because it was on clearance i bought the killing joke blu-ray it is so goddamn bad <laughs> okay i didn't know where you were going if you were gonna tell me it was so goddamn good and no. you don't know what you're talking about it was this was this before or after i tweeted that picture of uh uh, bad girl and bad man kissing. Uh, you had tweeted that. It, it basically sparked my memory. Oh, yeah, I did buy that a few weeks ago. Like, I should watch it. And I went to watch it. I couldn't even finish it. <laughs> and it, like, when I, I remember watching the theater originally, it was okay because I could laugh at some of the bad shit because I knew some good stuff was coming. And now it's just yeah. like, that whole first act of that is just so awful. Did you make it to the to the scene where they, where they hook up? Yeah, well, when I quit was when she's like, it's just sex. It doesn't matter. <laughs> It's, it's like it's Batman. It's pretty terrible. It's uh, but I'll give him this: they hook up the way that uh, Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson don't hook up. In <laughs> lots in translation. Ripping off their spandex latex outfits. So, uh, there's a there's a shot. Uh, well, you you said you saw it again, so you must remember. There's a shot that was originally the shot I was gonna tweet, which is Batman's hands on Batgirl's ass. Yeah, it's just so gross. So unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, good time still in the theaters to go see that. And uh, American Vandals on Netflix. It's very, very good <laughs> And it is fucking hilarious. Uh, I have one plug. I have two, but one hasn't, it hasn't gone live yet, so I'm going to save it for next time. Uh, no, I just watched this Steven Spielberg movie you might have heard of called Always. Do you know? No. No? Have you heard of Always? No, I have not. Okay, this might actually fit the bill for romantic movies or maybe it's not realistic enough oh no because it's about a ghost so maybe it won't uh... no i like it already did you like <laughs> i didn't say i mean it doesn't have to be realistic it just just tell me about the movie it's uh richard dreyfus uh working with steven spielberg again and uh holly hunter and uh supporting character john goodman as Wait, what year? comic relief it's old it's uh oh. uh you know Richard Dreyfus looks more like he does now than than in Jaws. You know, he's lost like the youthful curls, um, but he's still. I mean, you know, he's like middle aged in that one. So I don't know, late eighties maybe. I don't know. He's, uh, but there he's great. Uh, Holly Hunter is fantastic in the movie, and they play this couple. And then of course he's a pilot. He dies, and his his ghost like sticks around because he used to be. Because he used to be a pilot, and now he's his role is to be the inspiration for a pilot. So he's just kind of like behind the pilot in the cockpit, just kind of telling him what to do and inspiring him. And of course, the pilot falls in love with Holly Hunter, and now yeah, and so now he has to watch his uh, ex fiance uh, move on from what they had. And it's really sweet. It's really funny too. Uh, uh, and uh, there's one scene, I put it on my face because I finished watching it this morning. And there's a scene where early in the movie, they have a scene where they dance. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like a big musical number. And it's kind of like Spielberg doing like his take on like those old romantic comedies from the 50s. Yeah. Um, 
with the patter and just thing going back and forth. And, you know, Holly Hunter is super sassy and uh, uh, Richard Dreyfuss is kind of a dick, but they're both funny. They get along and all that stuff. But, um, but anyway, so they dance and they have this song and whatever. It's a big number. And then halfway through the movie, he's already dead. And he just watched her kiss another guy. And they probably would have done more, except that that song comes on. And so she has to stop and sends the guy away. And then she plays the song again and she starts dancing by herself. But then the ghost of Richard Dreyfus starts dancing with her. And it's just so well shot. And the way, because they're never, they never touch. Like he's just kind of like dancing around her and she's dancing around him. It's really cool. And of course, if you watch the movie and it builds up to like, that's, that happens like an hour in, it's, uh, it's very effective. So, so I was like, why do people not talk about this movie more? You know, it's like obscure. Holly Hunter is a really good actress. She's, she's great. She's not talked she's about great it now. She's great in The Big Sick. Yeah, she's, mm-hmm. well, I haven't seen The Big Sick yet, but I, I've, she's great in everything I've seen her in. Uh, but this is probably the first time that I've seen her as just uh, just kind of like a bright, kind of happy character that's, you know, it's a comedy. So You know what Richard Dreyfuss is really good in? Jaws? Mr. Holland's Opus? <laughs> That and what about Bob? Uh, oh, oh. Oh. Circle. Romance, Bill Murray, everything is connected. Now that's a great dynamic right there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, apparently, actually, most people hate always. They think that it's too schmaltzy that Spielberg, who's already pretty sentimental in his movies, just goes overboard with this. Uh, I think you kind of have to if you're going to do the romance between that, you know, that love story. Exactly. Yeah. You just just have to go for it. And he does. So. Yeah, because Ghost wasn't too schmaltzy at all. <laughs> hey, I like Ghost. Do you- I, I'm not saying anything's wrong with it. It's just... <laughs> How can you not... I'm a dude. <laughs> <laughs> do you like Ghost, Ashley, or is that too unrealistic? No, I do like Ghost. Do you like it better than Going with the Wind? No. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, usual stuff. Festive year. Wait. Do you have a plug? Um, I'm still listening to Hole. You guys ever heard of a band called Hole? <laughs> Courtney Love. <laughs> well, don't be ashamed. If that's this your... is a great album. Shut up. No, I watched it. It is amazing. I finally watched Logan. Like I told you, Logan's it just great. it was not. I went into that not just had no idea how dark it was going to be so i was just like there like just, i was crushed the whole time did and you cry ultimately yeah i think i mean i held it back pretty well but they were there were you wait <laughs> were you by yourself when you were watching it no it was, it was someone oh else, yeah. okay i was yeah. say if you're by yourself why hold back just no, oh yeah just give in to the pain no, yeah I, I, if i watched that by myself i, I would have been a <laughs> mess. Uh, just text um, me help <laughs> I'm still trying to decide if I like Monster, I mean Mother, like, I, and it's probably a bad sign, though, that I haven't figured out if I like uh, it yet. It's be pretty divisive. Yeah, I don't know if it's a bad sign. I mean, it's, it's, I think that any movie that keeps you thinking about it and talking about it way after you've watched it, it, it it's done at least one thing right. But uh, but I'm kind of with you. I'm not I'm not a big. Well, yeah, fan. I mean, kudos I, to him for being able to. Like I told you, I had like four vodka sodas the entire time. The time I was watching it, and I was sober the entire time, just like <laughs> trying to figure it out. Um, but kudos to him for being able to do that. The movie sobered you up. Is that what you're saying? Audience. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I said, I had about five different theories going on in my head. It just kept. Yeah. Oh, I'll save you the. I know what you're wondering, and no, it's not better than the wrestler. Thank you. <laughs> no. no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Requiem for a dream. Oh no, I put Requiem at the top. Uh, yeah. Requ- oh yeah. Yeah. No. Re- no. Requiem is better. Yeah. Pie. Maybe I would need to rewatch Pie. Okay. 
and I haven't seen the fountain. So, uh, yeah, there was a, a wrestling promoter who the deal fell through, but they were going to have Mickey Rourke wrestle as Randy the Ram in New Orleans for WrestleMania. Holy cow! You would have gone, right? Oh, absolutely, oh, I'm going regardless. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so with that in mind, our usual stuff for the past of years, SoundCloud, or no, they're on Bandcamp, excuse me, we're on SoundCloud. Bandcamp and iTunes, their album that the music we use is several years old, so just look for their most recent things. But uh, Summer 99 is our closing track, Our Last Stand is our opening track. We appreciate them lending us their music. Uh, Ashley, thank you for being here, our first female guest ever. It is now in the annals of history. Thank yes. you for having me. I thought I was just going to be doing like weekly horoscopes or something. But, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll let the, the listeners decide. If you think that Ashley's done a good enough job that she should be invited back, then send us an email to... Uh, she can just do the forecast. <laughs> <laughs> the weather forecast or just let us like tell people what's coming up next. Well, I think that would be better with the, the sultry sound. <laughs> yeah, it was like coming up next on The Contrarians. Uh, that's, I mean, you'll probably come back because the bar is really low. We've had Curtis twice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we are the contrarians at gmail.com. That's where you can reach us, uh, email us to let us know uh, not just how you felt about Ashley, but also how you feel about Lost in Translation. Uh, are you uh, Team Romance with Alex? Are you Team Realism with <laughs> Ashley? Or are you Team It Was Okay uh, with me? <laughs> or maybe a different team that we haven't considered. Uh, team, you completely missed the point. They actually had sex. We just didn't see it. Team racism. Team racism. <laughs> team Tokyo, which is extremely <laughs> offended by the movie and doesn't care about what these two white people do or don't do. All right. So that takes care of business on this end. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. And Ashley, you say, we'll catch you next time. <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Boom. <laughs> そしてテーブルの上にはサントリーウイスキーがあります。わかりますね。感情を込めてゆっくりとカメラを見て優しく、そしてあなたの古い友達に会うように言ってください。カサブランカのボギーのように君の瞳に乾杯。サントリータイム
Okay. Okay. Hey, Honda! For relaxing times, make it Suntory time. カット、カット、カット、カット。本当に分かってんのかと届けちゃって。これサントリーの響きだよ。高いんだからサントリーの中で一番。もうもっと高級な気持ちで。ね。日常的なお酒じゃないんだよ。くじゅどいつそは。最